Hey friends, it's Weston, and I wanted to take just a second to thank you for listening to the Bowling Green Christian Church Sermon Podcast. If someone recommended this message to you, I hope that it encourages you. If you're here getting caught up on a week you missed, I hope that it challenges you. And if you're a visitor checking us out, I hope that it helps you connect with Jesus and his church. Whoever you are, whenever you're ready to take your next step closer to Jesus or to connect with a BGCC family, know that we're here for you. You can learn more about how to connect with us by downloading our app when you text BGCC app to 77977. There in the app, you can submit prayer requests, find out about upcoming events, and even give to help support our ministry, including this podcast. It's my prayer that God uses this message to encourage and equip you to take your next best step in life, which is always one step closer to Jesus. Who's appreciated our children's sermons from Megan and Kara? And they've been great. They've been a lot of fun, haven't they? This morning, uh, we are starting into this new series of uh, joining with God and the renewal of all things. And, and I really want to emphasize how renewal starts now. I don't know if you noticed, this week was another turbulent week in our country. A lot of violent clashes and, and just so much unrest across our nation. Not only that, it was, at least for me, particularly disheartening also to see uh, the COVID numbers coming up in Kentucky and the... the uh, preview that there will be more restrictions coming out this week and what is that going to look like and what's that going to mean and all those things it's kind of uh, discouraging because you thought man maybe we're going to get through this thing maybe you know maybe it's going to happen and it's not it's not doing what it's supposed to and it's kind of discouraging you know this this idea of increased disruption uh, is disheartening for many. It leaves a lot of people feeling isolated, not just socially distanced, but cut off and, and alone. And, and that causes, you know, depression, and it's tough for folks. And this uncertainty of the economic, you know, future also causes a lot of anxiety and stress. It's, it's a difficult time right now. I, I don't have to tell you that. You, you know that. Uh, this whole thing is getting kind of old, now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be vigilant or careful, we should be reckless, nothing like that. I'm not saying that way, but I'm just saying I'm getting a little tired of living like this. It, it, can I get a mm-hmm, because that's all I can hear anyway. Mm-hmm, okay, perfect, that's great. Mm-hmm. I was going to maybe say something, but that mask, you know what I'm talking about, we don't need that. So here's my hope, is that as we go through this series, as we get into this particular moment here today, that perhaps we could find a way to live a renewed life in a tired way of living right now. That we could maybe find a little bit of hope, find something that would give us some piece of renewal, of re-energizing, whatever the word is you want to use right here, I think that we could find some of that in this place. In case you're wondering, well, what might that look like? Let me, let me read to you here from Philippians chapter 1. It says this, Paul is writing here, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul is saying, listen, what's happened to me? Well, what's happened to Paul? Paul is in prison right now. He's been imprisoned. Uh, most likely he was imprisoned in Jerusalem, and now he's been moved and so now here he is in prison. Uh, you know, we might think of it as the federal, the federal pen. He's been moved from the local regional jail. He's now in uh, a Roman jail, and he's there being held 
prisoner and he said this he said you know what's happened to me has served to advance the gospel he said and not only that he said because of my chains people have become more confident in the lord and they declare uh, and they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear paul looks at his imprisonment which is sort of like quarantine on steroids and he says you know what this isn't really all that bad there's a lot of good things that have come out of it He's going to go on to say that he's rejoicing at what God is doing through him in this situation. And I read that and I think, man, how can I get there? How can I get my mind to the place where I'm in the midst of this situation and yet I'm finding an occasion or an excuse to rejoice in the Lord? How do we get there? I think it starts with having this nude perspective. And I want to dive into a little bit deeper theological waters this morning or philosophical waters and try to answer this one question, which is why do I need God to experience renewal? Why do I have to have God to experience that? I think there's some very good reasons for that that I want to look at here this morning. But, but the, simple, the simple truth is this, is that without God, nothing is new. I know some of you filling out the notes on the app. We don't have the, the words on the screen here this morning. But that's, that's your blank there, those of you that are following along. It's without God, nothing is new. Without God, nothing is new. And so today, we're, we're coming out of this reboot series where we've been talking about how God wants to sort of restart our lives. And we're moving into something new where we're saying, how can we be agents of renewal in our communities? How can we be agents of renewal in the lives of people around us? It's sort of a logical next step. We experience God's renewal and then we're going to go and share that renewal with other people. But we have to be renewed first. Because without God, nothing is new. And so we have to be renewed to participate in this renewal. Now, you don't have to take my word for this, that without God, nothing is new. A guy by the name of King Solomon, he uh, dedicated his life to understanding truth. And there's a book called Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament that's really sort of uh, his own testimonial, his own case study in finding happiness. And if you read through the book, you have to realize that he's writing it from a worldly perspective, not so much a divine perspective. Uh, there are moments where the divine breaks through in that book, and he'll sort of share some things that he's learned uh, through revelation of God. But most of that stuff is just sort of common sense, things that he's just sort of pursued with his just incredible intellect. And, and here's some of the findings he finds. He, you know, he starts off his mission by saying, you know, I'm going to just try to figure out life, and I'm just going to try to sort through everything and just try to make sense of it with my mind. And as he does that, he finds it's frustrating. And he says, you know what, there's not a whole lot of advantage to being smart. He says, because if you're smart, you understand more, and if you understand more, you understand why things are bad, not why things are dangerous. You know, maybe it's better to be blissfully ignorant, he says, but that's not any better. He says, really, at the end of the day, you know, the same, you know, fate falls on everybody. And so he says that it's not so much an understanding thing. Again, this is a worldly perspective. He says, so maybe it's not an understanding thing. Maybe I just should do whatever makes me happy. And so there's a shift in the book where he says, I'm, I gave up on reason. And with reason, he says, I started to pursue all the pleasures of the world that you could, you could look for. And, and he says, I denied myself nothing. He said, I pursued anything that I thought might bring me happiness. And he had all of the resources, all of the money with which to do that. I mean, this would be Jeff Bezos deciding he's just going to live a totally hedonistic lifestyle for the rest of his life. King Solomon had the resources to do this. And he does, and he pursues it. And then later in the book, he'll write, but you know what? That didn't make me any happier either. 
It, it, it actually sort of follows in line with, with uh, Hinduism thought, actually. You know, uh, folks are, are seeking truth all over the world at all different sorts of times. And, and, and the Hindu folks, they've, they've said this. They said, you know, what you should do in life is you, you start out on this path of pleasure where you just kind of pursue whatever you think is going to make you happy. But then eventually they say you're going to find a place where that doesn't bring you satisfaction. And so you turn to a path, they'll call it the path of renunciation, where you turn away from everything and you embrace duty and, you know, and austerity and all these sorts of things. And, and they'll even say, that doesn't quite bring you happiness. And so you've got to move into something where you're looking for a little bit more. Solomon gets to that. He says, as he looks at the world, he says, you know, there's not a whole lot new. Ecclesiastes 1, 9 and 10, he says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which anyone can say, look, this is something new? No, it was here already long ago. It was here before our time. There's this sense that we're kind of stuck in this rut of brokenness. And and you can pursue pleasure, you can pursue reason, but that if we're going to just deal with this world, that there's something that leaves us wanting, it leaves us lacking. And you just go through history and you see these patterns. I mean, even this pandemic that we're in the midst of, you know, we're all talking about how this is new and it's novel. But you look back at history, guess what? It is not new and novel. Pandemics have, have come through our civilizations for centuries, for millennia. They have come, they've wiped out people, they've disrupted economies, they've, just, they've toppled nations. All of these things have happened. Maybe what's new is we didn't have one for so long. That might be what's new, but it's not new. It's old. It's a pattern. It's something that keeps recurring. You know what would be new and interesting would be a world that had no disease and no death. Now, that would be new, wouldn't it? You know, a, a world, you know, where you look at the kind that we live in where we've got violence that fills our streets and, and it's racially motivated or it fills our schools and we're not sure why that's what that's motivated by. And, and every time something bad happens, you know, we sort of look at it, we wring our hands and we go, well, how much more of this are we going to put up with? How much longer are we going to tolerate this? How many more of these are we going to allow to have happen? And the answer is a lot until God brings renewal to us. What would be new is a world of peace, a world without violence, where we treated each other with love and respect, that would be new and exciting. You know, see, sin is old, actually. It's commonplace. If we're really honest, sin is, I think, in many ways quite boring. I've heard a commentator say that all bad marriages are alike. It's only the good ones that are unique. What they're getting at is all the bad marriages, they're plagued by the same things. It's selfishness, it's a lack of communication, it's a lack of sacrifice. You know, it's an it's a, it's a unwillingness to put the other person first. All those things we could probably sum up, you know, and add a couple to it, and you could come up with a definitive list of why some marriages go bad. But try to come up with a list of why good marriages are good, and you'll find that all of those compromises that you make and the ways that you communicate are as unique as the people that make up those marriages. They're very, very different the old the sin that's commonplace that's boring if you want to get to something that's new and renewing you're going to have to look for the good you're going to have to look beyond the old tired ways of living you think about that in the terms of art too you know what 
what gets old and tired? You know, pop music, it's got that sort of same, you know, occurrence. Whatever decade you're in, it's sort of got a template. You follow this template, you become a success, and then that template gets tired. We retire, we look for something new and novel. And you start to see who are these breakthrough artists that come. They're the people that have that unique sound. People go, they don't, nobody else sounds like them. You give it a year or two, everybody else starts to sound like them. That's how it works. But there's something about that new, unique, fresh perspective. I mean, the art world, same kind of thing, you know, new kinds of mediums. You know, you think about, you know, this, this you know, superstar hit of, of Hamilton that's it's become this giant global phenomenon. People are streaming it, watching it, subscribing to Disney Plus just so that they can watch it. You know why? Because it's, it's unique, it's new, it's fresh. There's nothing else quite like it. You know, we're drawn towards that. But here's the thing. In this world we live in, we have a limited set of resources from which to draw. And if we were to look at all this stuff, we'd go, well, it's new, but it's, you know, it's kind of like that. You know, but here's the thing with God. It says that God creates the world out of nothing. God is infinitely creative and new and renewing and refreshing. So without God, nothing really is new. We have to have God to have what is new. God is constantly renewing all things. This is that second point if you're following along with us. God is constantly renewing all things. With God, every day is a celebration of newness. Uh, Our Jewish forefathers and mothers, they understood that every time the sun came up, creation started again. That every time the sun came up, God was renewing the world. It, was, it wasn't that God created the world once and that was done, but that every day God was recreating the world. Here's how Psalm 104 celebrates it. It says, all creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. The fact that we all drew breath this morning and decided we were going to get up and took that breath and got out of bed and and rose up, that is an act of creation and renewal that God works in us. If you think about it, there's a lot of things in nature that we very rarely, seldom get tired of. I've never met anybody that said, you know what, I've just seen too many sunsets. I'm just, I'm sunsetted out. I don't need any more sunsets. I've never met anybody that said, you know what, I don't like sunrises. I don't like it when the sun peaks up above the ground and all of the glorious colors come out. And it's, it's beautiful. I'm so tired of that. I've never met anybody that said that. There's something about this act of renewal, this act of creation that is amazing to us. Why is that? It's because God intended it to be that way, that God is he's exhibiting his creative power. G.K. Chesterton, a Catholic theologian, here's, here's what he says. He likens God to a child. He says, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit, fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. Do it again. Any parents, grandparents, you know, you've heard this before, right? Do it again. Do it again. One more time. Do it again. Can we do it one more time? Do it again. And it says, and the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old And our Father is younger than we. Which is why he can say, do it again. 
to creation, and it never gets tired. You see, God does not tire in creating or recreating, whether it's in creation or how about this, whether it is in our lives, my life or your life. You know, let, let's just be real honest with each other. As you came to church, this might be the 800th time in just, you know, a week's span where you had to tell God that you were sorry, that you wanted him to forgive you, and you wanted him to renew his spirit inside of you. And you said, God, would you just renew me? That might be the 800th time in just this week that you've had to ask that. And I can tell you that God does not get tired of saying, I'll do it again. I'll forgive you. I will renew my spirit inside of you. I'll do it again. It might be the 10 billionth time he's put a person's life back together. But every time somebody comes to know Jesus Christ, he does not get tired of saying, you are my child. I am going to recreate you in my image the way that you were intended to be created. You know, I, I don't know what this quarantine has done for your relationships. I know that there's some added stress on folks with marriages. And perhaps you're saying, man, we really need God in our home. And your marriage might be the 10 millionth marriage God's put back together this year just in you know, our country. But I will tell you, God never gets tired of saying, I'll do it again. I will show you how to love each other. God does not get tired of renewing. God's mercy is always new. Lamentation 3.23 celebrates this. It says, they are new every morning. This is God's faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. So I don't know what kind of week you've had, what you're bringing here with you today, what regrets you might have, but I know this. I know that this morning God wants to do something new in your life. I know that God wants to recreate you. This is the promise of God from ancient times. Ezekiel prophesied about this long before the time of Christ. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says this, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. God wants to renew us. He wants to renew me. He wants to renew you. He wants to renew this world. But we're going to miss out on being a part of that if we don't first accept it. Because we must be renewed to share in God's newness. Now, Jesus gives a parable that kind of explains how this works. Mark chapter 2, verse 21 through 22, says this. It says, No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and so are the skins. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. Now this is a set of parables that would have been very commonplace for Jesus in his day. You know, people were constantly sewing patches onto garments. People were constantly pouring wine into wineskins. But I bet if we had a show of hands, probably none of you have poured wine into wineskins like ever in your life. And we live in a time where clothes are so disposable that you're probably, you know, hard-pressed also to say, yeah, I'm regularly sewing patches onto my clothing. No, we're going to go someplace and get just something new. That's how that works. Or you just buy the clothes with the holes already put in them, and you don't have to worry about it. So much simpler. Um, but in this time, this would have been really commonplace. 
And Jesus is saying, listen, he's like, you know, you got this cloak, maybe it's your favorite cloak, and it's the one you like to you know, roam around the house in, and this is the one you're going to wear, and so this is your cloak, and then one day it gets caught on something and you tear a hole in it, and so he says, you know, you've got an old cloak you like, he says, and you've got a fresh new piece of cloth, he says, you're not going to cut that out and sew it to it, you know, patch it in and sew it in, uh, you know, you're not going to do that. Why? Well, you might think, well, you know, new cloth goes with old cloth, you know, it makes it stronger. No, 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 because you know how things, they shrink you know, I, I'm banned from doing laundry in my house because I've shrunk many things. I've turned many clothes into things that are suitable for American girl dolls. You know what I'm saying? It just, it's natural. I don't try. I didn't do it on purpose. Uh, despite contrary, you know, popular opinion, um, it just happens that way. And I shrink things. And that's what happens when you get new clothing. You get that new fabric. You get it in that water, and it just shrinks as it dries. It's just what happens. And Jesus says, listen, if you have a piece of cloth that's, that's new and it's not shrunk, here's what happens. You sew it to the old, and as it shrinks, it takes all of it with it. It just tears a giant hole inside of this fabric. Jesus says, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't take something new and put it on the old. That would be ridiculous. No, you're going to take something old and put it on the old. That's how you're going to do that. Same thing with wineskins. You know, again, we don't use this a lot, but we got bottles and other things instead but but back in the day they would get goat skin it was leather and they would sew it together really really tight so it was waterproof it was a waterproof seal they'd fill it up with with uh you know essentially grape juice a little bit of yeast they would put a cork in the thing and they would just leave it there to set and all that yeast would start to convert the sugar to alcohol it'd kill all the bacteria in there they drank this uh with water often so that way it was safe to drink and they would do that and as it did it would create uh, carbon dioxide and the thing would start to swell and because it was new skin, it was a little bit stretchier. But some of you, as you've gotten older, you know that new skin becomes a little less stretchy. I, we don't need to show of hands. Don't need to be pointing at people. You know, it gets less stretchy. It stretches out. And there's no give left to this thing. You know, and so Jesus says, you know, once that skin's stretched, it's not good to do it again. You put new wine in that old wine skin and it will explode. And then the wine's ruined. The skin's ruined. You could have used that one for water or something else. He says, you don't put new and old. It doesn't work like that. It will literally destroy it. You know, I, I, I think it was C.S. Lewis who talked about getting to heaven. And why do we have to be perfect when we get to heaven? He says, well, let's say you could live your whole life, you know, where you were totally sort of good with people. But can you imagine living your whole life good with people for all of eternity? Just a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of, of misplaced anger, just a little bit of, of, of whatever sin you can think of. It gets in that mix, and it just has an entire eternity to grow. It would destroy you, and maybe everybody else with you. You see, we've got to be renewed in God to experience his renewal. You know, if you were to experience the beauty of creation from the summit of Mount Everest, you would have to convert yourself from a non-mountain climber to a mountain climber. Now, I know most of you, I don't know any of you uh, would confess to be mountain climber I don't know any of you that have scaled peaks. None of you that I know have had to use oxygen to get someplace. Um, that's a big deal. So for most of us, we would have to convert ourselves from being a non-climber to a climber if we were going to go and experience that type of, of beautiful scenery from the peak of Mount Everest. You, you see, we would have to be transformed. We'd have to be changed. You, you see, the difference, though, that we're talking about is that when... We're talking about becoming a mountain climber. That's something you do. You train yourself. But when we're talking about experiencing God's renewal, that is something he does in us. He transforms us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. 
the new is here. The renewal we need is found in Jesus Christ. And that's what enables us to experience God's renewal. And that's what enables us to share and be partners in God's renewal. And once you've been renewed, let me tell you, everything you touch, even quarantine, can have a bit of renewal in it. Because you're seeing it with renewed eyes. It doesn't mean you're going to get this perfectly. It doesn't mean you're always going to see it that way. But it means you can if you would just lean into it a little bit. I know that because that's how Paul lived his life. Paul was looking at his imprisonment, not with tired old eyes, but he was looking at his imprisonment with renewed eyes. And he was saying, you know what? This thing that I'm in, this imprisonment that I'm in, this isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing because it's actually spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. People hear about me here. He says, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of God. He says, that's why I'm here. It's that renewed mindset, that renewed vision that he has. This renewal, I think, is what has allowed us here at the church during our best times to look at this and say, you know what, this has been an opportunity for us to expand the reaches of the gospel. As we've leaned into technology in new ways with connecting with people, we've got more people trying out the church online platform this morning. I logged in very briefly to uh, uh, give Brian Luna a hard time, um, and then I got out because that's the kind of person I am, and... Um, and, I mean, it's cool to see people connecting online. Uh, he's in Washington State. People are here. You're traveling. And yet we're connected. How is that possible? We would have never done this had we hadn't gone through quarantine. We would have never done it. I'd love to tell you we were so forward-thinking we would have done it. We would have never done it. But this has forced us to think of new ways to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this renewal, it's what can empower you to approach this time as a time of recreation through the Spirit of God. But... To experience that, you need God's heart. You need God's spirit to hold on to that eternally new. You, you see that, that, that new wineskin. It, it doesn't drink all the wine. Yes, some of it gets soaked up into it, and sure it becomes a part of it. And after you pour it out, you can still smell that in there, and you can still sense that that's part of it. But a wineskin exists to pour out, to share with others. And that's what God's inviting us to do, to be agents and carriers of this renewal but we've got to experience it first before we can share it. And I'll tell you, even once you've experienced it, it's kind of difficult. I was talking with somebody this week about uh, baptism, and they were asking you, tell me more about that. And I said, well, you know, this is that place where we surrender our life to God, and, and we're, you know, we sort of identify with Jesus as we're baptized, as we're laid in that water, just like Jesus died, and he was put in the tomb, and we come out into a new way of living in him. It's where we surrender our life to him. It's where as we come out of that water, we take that breath and the Spirit of God fills us and rushes into us and makes us a new creation. And I said, you know, I, I, I wish I could describe more of it to you, but it's just kind of hard until you've experienced it for yourself. It's true. You can't really be an agent of that renewal until you've experienced it for yourself. I think that's why we need to receive Christ before we can share Christ. This morning, the worship team's going to come out. And, and I want to just pause and give a few seconds here of, of time for you to consider what is that work of renewal that you want done in your life? Well, where is that place that you really haven't experienced the newness of God? Maybe it's a relationship that needs renewal. Maybe it is something in your work situation that needs renewal. Maybe it's the way you think about people or maybe a person. I want us to give that space for that, to allow you to have that moment. So let's just take a few minutes of quiet.
And you can just talk with God with whatever's on your heart right now.